Hello and welcome to the Quiet Connections podcast. Do you feel like you're not good enough at work? Do your insecurities hold you back from taking opportunities? Or perhaps you're worried about keeping up as the world returns to some form of normality after a pandemic. I'm Hayley and in this episode I'm joined by Grace Soji who is CEO of Paper Art CIC based in Bristol where she supports young creatives to establish careers. As somebody who has run her own social enterprise and has long been supporting people with mental health, Grace is here to talk about what she's learned about social anxiety, overcoming imposterism in your career, and emerging from lockdown and pandemic restrictions as the world begins to open up again. This is a delightful conversation with a young entrepreneur and a leader. Grace really is an inspiration and she shows us that we can all overcome the fear of not being good enough and our fears do not have to hold us back in life. I'm really excited to introduce you to Grace. Welcome to the Quiet Connections podcast, Grace. It's so lovely to have you here. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, So I wonder if we could just start by you sharing a little bit of your story and how you might be able to relate to people who feel socially anxious and not good enough. Yeah, I think I've always sort of suffered a little bit, a little bit, a lot with um, anxiety um, for my whole life, really. And um, it caused quite a few issues for me when I was in kind of my teenage years, mainly because people didn't really talk about it then. And we didn't really learn about anything about mental health at school. Um, so I really struggled actually um, and was lucky to get the help that I needed, um, which really turned my life around in a way, I think, um, and really inspired me to just help young people in regards to mental health um, mm. after recognising the importance of it. Um, so then went on to, to start running mental health workshops specifically for young people to help raise awareness and and start those conversations um, around mental health. Um, And I've kind of always wanted to make a difference in some way around that, Um, but also still struggled with it myself. So it's a bit of a, it's it's an interesting, it's been an interesting time. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's why it's really, I really love um, Quiet Connections and everything that, you guys do because I didn't really know of any other organization that really recognizes um, the effects of social anxiety and um, really works around that it's something that is kind of really unique and I always feel a sense of um, comfort whenever I like read your posts and they come up on social media or like listen to bits of your podcasts because it's something that I feel like people don't talk about necessarily Mm. that much. Yeah it is something that we tend to want to hide away and then we don't talk about it Um, but in reality so many of us experience it and it's just nice to hear those stories and hear that me too and that was really what changed things for me as well realizing that actually I wasn't broken and alone and weird and this was something that lots of other people experienced too so I'm really really pleased that we've been able to support you in that way. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right as well in that um, for me, especially, it was definitely something that I, that seemed very private because 
you know, when I was in social situations and interacting with people, um, it wasn't something I'd talk about. I'd sort of pretend to be, you know, like how I should, how I thought I should be. But it was always then when I was by myself that I'd be thinking, you know, oh, that was terrible. I really don't want to go to that event or because it's all in your head. It mm. is quite a private thing that, that people don't talk about unless you talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah it's a difficult one it sounds like you were trying to put the extrovert mask on and pretend like everything was okay in social situations yeah absolutely which which is an interesting um yeah interesting choice I think as I've as the years have gone on I've tried to now actually see the value in just being open and honest about um the fact that it's something I suffer with so when I'm feeling courageous um I do say to people um you know this is I was really anxious about meeting you today or, or something like that or um being on zooms all the time I had I wrote a LinkedIn post about zoom anxiety a few months ago um to try and get the conversation out there but it definitely doesn't come naturally it's something I have to say like most people actually really value you being vulnerable and opening up about your struggles so it's best to be real about it rather than feel like you need to pretend not to but but yeah it's much easier said than done. (laughs) I agree and I think in my experience when I've done that and when I've shared that I'm feeling anxious you you can see the other person or the people in the room suddenly like relax and it's like it's that sense of oh okay they're you know they're like me <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly and I always try and think about if someone had said that to me I would feel so much more relaxed and it would just be so nice so I love that and I totally honor your your courage for doing that okay so tell us what you're doing now Now I am CEO of a community interest company that's based in Bristol and we support young creatives to establish careers. Um, I sort of was brought in to um, a bit of a crossroads for the organisation really um, and was tasked with providing a new strategy um, and essentially a bit of a new lease of life for the organisation because Um, Paper Arts, um, which is the name of the organisation, was originally set up in 2014 um, and since then has gone through quite a few transitions Um, and obviously the landscape has changed since then Um, and especially I think particularly in this past year with the pandemic, um, the issues for young creatives and young people's employment generally um, has really been exacerbated so um, I've kind of got this Um, this year I guess to focus on the research and development um, of a new service that we can provide um, to kind of meet that new need Um, so yeah it's it's an exciting time I'm sort of bringing in new ideas making them happen um, and supporting young creatives which is something I'm really passionate about yeah there's so much that I want to talk about with you (laughs) where do I start I wonder like you know as an introvert who experiences social anxiety what it's like to take on that kind of role yeah it's I think it definitely challenges um 
the way I view leadership um I think especially when I sort of took on the role and now I have to say oh I'm CEO it seems very sort of you know Alan Sugar the apprentice (laughs) which I absolutely am not um and so that's been really interesting actually recognizing my own views on those roles um and actually like trying not to feel like I have to fill those shoes but to actually be myself so Mm. trying to think about okay but to be honest I think I listed when I when I first came into the role what does a CEO do like what are the actual jobs that that involves um and then basically said to myself I can do that I can do that I can do that I can do that so I can do the job (laughs) yeah Um, just because I'm not super extroverted I I can do the (laughs) the task and that's that's what's most important yeah um so I try to ground myself in that whenever I feel a little bit overwhelmed um and just recognize the value in being me and that I do bring things to the table and there's certain aspects of my personality that are actually really good for this type of role that's brilliant I love that idea of just breaking down the role and then seeing bit by bit you know can I do this yes I can um I think it's really easy to look at the title and be like I can't do that it's such a big powerful role (laughs) and I know I this was sort of my experience as well when I was setting up quiet connections and I had this idea in my head that we have to be very extroverted and outgoing and chatty in order to be successful in a business And, you know, actually going through the process, I had to really look at those beliefs and challenge them. And I came up with lots and lots of examples of very introverted, reflective, quieter leaders. Um, And that really helped me to go, okay, I've got, you know, lots and lots of quieter qualities that can really, really support me in this role. Yeah, it's it's just a a simple reframe. So I'm really glad you've been able to do that. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think I needed to, to be honest, otherwise I would have really, really struggled. Mm. Um, but I think what also helps is that actually a lot of the young creatives that I've seen or worked with in the past, um, if there's something about like being a creative, lots of introverts are also very creative. So yeah. actually there's value in me um, understanding what it's like be an introvert within this space um I can think like actually what are all the barriers that would stop me attending that I need to think about because I know there'll be a lot of people who feel similarly to me um and so actually there's real benefit to me understanding that um yeah. so that they can access the support as well yeah absolutely and I know that there's lots of research around introverts and extroverts are very good at leading different types of teams so if you've got a very proactive creative team an introvert is definitely the right person for the role (laughs) that's good to know I'll (laughs) I'll tell my team that I'll be like I am actually perfectly placed to to lead you guys just so you know (laughs) okay so we're at a really strange time and we're just sort of re-emerging from this pandemic and all the restrictions that have been in place um how are you finding that yeah I think um I'm finding it more difficult perhaps than I thought I would um I think it's strange there was there's this whole atmosphere of um 
oh, I can't wait till things go back to normal. And um, the idea of, you know, when they mapped out um, the various steps and how the restrictions would be lifted gradually, it was like, oh, that's ages away. And by the time we got there, like, oh, I'm so glad that this is happening. Um, without realising that, you know, being told for a year that you have to stay at home, socially distanced from everyone, um, you know that has a that takes its toll um, mm. a lot and it feels like there's a whole extra level now to my social anxiety that isn't just that socializing but just generally being around people um in like closer proximity or even not that even just when there's lots of people around because we've been used to not busy streets um not busy shops really for for the past year um so I've kind of had to recognize just recognize that and kind of be kind to myself I suppose and set realistic um goals um so I think the first time I realized this was the first Friday when I think hospitality was open outside and um me and my partner we're like let's like let's go out for dinner that would be really nice um so we didn't book anywhere because everyone's booked up I was like that's fine let's just go see what's out there just walked into town um and it was packed um couldn't find anywhere to sit just lots of people around um and I just couldn't deal with it I really really struggled um and got very stressed and pretty emotional to be honest yeah. about it which which was quite a shock because I was like you know this is just what it used to be like when it was normal why am I feeling this way um but actually like it, my partner was really good at this actually he was just like you know it's okay like I think he understood that it is overwhelming and extra overwhelming for me um and that's okay so that was almost like okay that that's a bit much for now um so then I kind of got back and decided um I'm just going to work within my constraints at the minute which maybe is just to book a table you know if I want to go and eat just maybe do that and then I know that there's a place for us to sit when we go in that someone will show us to and that's sorted just so I can get used to the, the idea of being around people again and being around busyness and just have to focus on that one aspect of it um so it's kind of been like okay actually break it down to baby steps again and um just take it easy yeah yeah I really value what you're saying there I think that there is this expectation within us that we will just go back to how we were before the pandemic hit And I don't think that's going to happen. I think for all of us, our kind of levels of comfort have changed. And we have, you know, we've been talking to people from behind screens and not interacting with people face to face very much. We've lost a lot of that resilience for the stimulation that we get. And those social interactions are really the most stimulating thing that we can have. And I think when we're more introverted and socially anxious um, or highly sensitive this particularly is going to affect us going back out there and we kind of have to train our bodies gently to deal with this stimulation again all this noise and everything that we're gonna see rather than just someone's face and shoulders on a screen (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. And even like, I don't think I could do a group at the minute either. Like one-to-one is okay. And that's what I'm comfortable with because it's just you two and you can kind of chat. Whereas if there's, um, I think if I met up with a group at the minute, that would be quite challenging, um, Mm. which I'm actually doing for the first time this week. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, because that's even more of the stimulation because you're kind of focusing on lots of different, well, not loads, but you know, a few different people. Um, And yeah, just sort of, you know, that's more people to kind of think about, oh, what are they thinking about me now? And oh, what do they think about that I just said? Um, So yeah, it's just just taking it slowly. And yeah, yeah, you're right, just getting used to to that stimulation again. Yeah, and with what you said about we've been told to kind of stay away from people, you know, connecting with people is dangerous, then that's really put us in this self-protective mode and we're going to be like hyper-vigilant coming out. And it does feel like it's all opened up very quickly. It does, yeah. And I I think um, it's, yeah, it's weird to now sort of measure the risk ourselves, Um, particularly with, I think, last night they were saying, you know next week from next week you can meet with people indoors and sort of it's up to you to decide whether you want to socially distance from your family etc um but it's it doesn't feel like anything's changed like it feels like this thing is still there and that actually like it doesn't feel like suddenly everything's okay again um and I'm not sure whether that's something that we're gonna have to work on like internally that we'll get there eventually Mm. or whether it's an external thing Maybe it's a mixture of both, probably. Um, Yeah, it's really complex. Obviously, we've never been through a pandemic before. So it's a whole new challenge. Um, Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So what has helped you then? You've You've spoken about taking, basically taking comfort zone stretches and starting off with the like easiest thing and then working your way up to groups. So what else has helped you to move through this? you know opening up again I think um leaving a lot of time um to actually like more time than I would to recover from, from social situations um which is maybe now a response to a situation um I've learned, um, which was basically last week, I sort of planned out my my diary and had quite a lot of different social things happening on the Thursday and the Friday. Um, Well, it felt like a lot for me. Um, But I thought, you know, oh, these are all great things. Like, it'll be fun to do, you know, to go out for drinks again or to have meetings in person and um, all that stuff. Um, But it was just a lot. Like, I I realised then that actually... Um, I need a lot I just need more time after each meeting to spend with myself and kind of re-energize because by the time I got to the Friday evening I had to cancel um, a meeting because I was just like I can't I can't do another one (laughs) like I'm just so so drained Um, (laughs) and then to be honest I needed the weekend to sort of regroup and spend time by myself just doing things that I enjoy going on walks sleeping all of that stuff 
And so I'm definitely keeping that in mind now moving forward. Just again, as we get used to um, seeing people in person, um, just make sure that I don't overload my diary um, with seeing people um, mm. and give enough time to just look after myself. Yeah. I think that's a lovely tip in general. We can often overload ourselves and think, oh, I should be able to keep up with this person or that person and not really honor our, you know, our natural way of being. So that's a, a lovely, a lovely thing. Yeah, definitely. And I think I almost feel I, it, I've struggled with it because being in this job, a lot of it is about meeting new people, like forming partnerships. Um, and obviously in an ideal world, you'd have as many of those as possible so that people know about you and what you're doing and um, you're building those connections. But it's not sustainable for me to have five days packed full of meetings and I have to be really strict with myself now and be like, okay, two or three things max a day, um, which does mean that my diary then gets booked up. Um but like, I just have to try and accept that and be like, no, that's fine. This is just, you know, for the sustainability of the business, of the organisation, I need to have my mental health in check. And if that means spacing out meetings, then I'm just going to have to do that because I'm no use if I'm like burnt out by the second week of the month. Um, no, no, that's such a good tip. And um I've actually done the same thing. I've just started going back to face-to-face -face coaching in the last couple of weeks and I've changed my booking system so that it'll only allow two or three people to book rather than, you know, several people throughout the day. So I've also realised that I need to really manage the amount of people that I see and have that downtime as well. So I imagine there's lots and lots of other people who are in the same situation with that. Shall we talk a little bit about imposter syndrome? Yeah, um, I mean, they'll probably talk all day about, about <laughs> that. Um, but no, we should. I think the, the first thing to say is that actually um, a lot of the time I don't recognise it. Um, and there have been a few times where I've had conversations with people where I've just felt like, you know, I can't do this thing or I'm really worried about this meeting. And they're just like, this is just imposter syndrome. Um, and then when they recognize it I'm like oh okay that's what this is um, <laughs> so it's not just me being flawed it's just the imposter syndrome yeah so for anyone who doesn't know about imposter syndrome how would you explain that to them oh how would I explain it so it's just when you feel as if you maybe don't have the right to be in a position or, or doing a task that you've sort of winged it um, or you are winging it, you don't necessarily have the skills. Maybe you're sort of, people are believing in you, but you're not really sure why. And you think maybe you're just having them on. <laughs> and it's just, or you're wearing this mask and no one actually knows what's going on um, and, and how rubbish you are beneath it. <laughs> Yeah, waiting to get found out and kicked yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've been there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah like I try and take comfort in the fact that it seems to be something a lot of people um suffer with particularly women I've learned um yeah so it's another thing that's a really good thing to talk about um rather than worry about yourself and just be like is this something you suffer from and how do you deal with it um because it is common or at least that's what I found at the minute it is yeah I think about 70 to 80 percent of people experience imposter syndrome wow it's the same in men and women I believe so it's a huge thing and again it's something that's like we feel ashamed of so we hide it away and we're just like in this job going I'm gonna get found out I'm gonna get found out (laughs) have you got an experience where this kind of really came up for you yeah um well to be honest I think you know getting this job um because it was an interesting situation um the initial job that I got was actually um as operations and project manager and then when I joined um there was quite a quick change over a team um just because other opportunities came up and so we ended up having to well I ended up having to recruit a new team um basically back back to the start um and the idea was initially that I would recruit as well for someone senior to me that would take on that CEO role um but actually a a fundraising consultant I was working with at the time just said you know she was like you've got the expertise you've got the skills why don't you just go for it um it it makes sense um and so I did and I, I went to our board and sort of submitted a proposal and um, all of this fancy stuff to basically say, you know, I think I can take on the role. Um, and obviously they accepted my proposal and here I am now. Um, but it's a weird because it wasn't a traditional recruitment. Um, you know, I wasn't, I was technically sort of interviewed by them, but it it didn't feel the same I felt like oh maybe they've just given me this job because um I don't know like who even knows like this is the thing you struggle to think why why else would they have given it to me if they didn't think I could do it yeah um but it was definitely one of those moments where I was just like can I do this like have I is this just because there's no one else here that could do it possibly like I'm a last resort type thing um which is why I then did that exercise of sitting down and just looking at the task and actually realizing I I can do each of these different things so yeah yeah (laughs) I think that's a really valuable exercise to do yeah I mean why why would the board put the company at risk by putting someone in a position of CEO if they didn't believe that you could do the job and the same with any kind of (laughs) recruitment really um my my biggest experience was with when I got onto the school for social entrepreneurs startup course Mm. and it's you know it's a really challenging process to get onto the course I was interviewed by Sally Hurd the CEO of the school for social entrepreneurs in Cornwall and um then they do like a dragon's den type interview (laughs) which I was like you know red-faced and anxious as hell but I got through it (laughs) and um, (laughs) then I was offered this position on the course and I was really excited for about five minutes and then suddenly I was like (laughs) I'm gonna be Sally Hurd's biggest mistake (laughs) yeah yeah I absolutely know this feeling (laughs) definitely 
What was really interesting for me, and you might have come across the same, was that when I was on the course and I was looking around at everyone and thinking, oh, they're doing amazing stuff and I'm not up to their standard, but eventually started having conversations about this and they were like, oh, we were thinking about, we were thinking the same thing about you. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think it's weird when you hear other people's perspectives but that's you know that's another reason why talking to people is so great it's so strange sometimes I do wonder I wish I could see myself through other people's eyes and in fact that's something my sister said to me um when I was job hunting you know last summer and I was really struggling because obviously it's the pandemic Mm. um it's not difficult it's not easy um to get a job at the moment and I just felt you know like I was sort of rubbish and she was just like oh I wish you could see yourself through everyone else's eyes because I clearly don't see that version of myself and I think that's definitely something that's really um really good to remember when you're suffering from imposter syndrome actually think what does everyone else see they don't see everything that goes on in your head do they so what what would they see that's so true. And we do tend to focus in on the things that we believe are negative about ourselves, things that we think we, we can't do, um, the past failures or mistakes that we we think we've had. And other people just don't see that. They tend to focus more in on the good stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're our own, like, own worst critics, but we just have a really poor self-assessment of ourselves. Yeah, we do we do um yeah so what kind of advice would you be giving to someone else who's dealing with imposter syndrome at the moment yeah so I mean I suppose I would say first that you're obviously not alone and it's definitely a thing so try and remember that when you're having those thoughts of you know oh, you're not good enough someone's going to find you out um that recognize it as imposter syndrome it's not it's not just you thinking that it is a thing that people suffer from mm-hmm. um I find that helpful because it sort of removes me then I can kind of see recognize it and, and in a way sort of compartmentalize those thoughts as okay this is imposter syndrome um and I always find it helpful to get um feedback and just support from friends family like work colleagues um to kind of counteract those thoughts and just double check and be like um you know like how's how is this am I like how am I doing would you say um to stop me just getting inside my own head too much and to get those other opinions so that I can try and understand those different perspectives um also just I'm pretty sure what I do a lot of the time is just watch TED talks <laughs> um, about different topics like 100% there's one imposter syndrome and what it means and definitely finding other people on the internet who suffer with the same thing is so reassuring um, so yeah there's lots of resources out there um, I'm sure that can help yeah so there's the fact that you're not alone, um, recognizing that you've got this little imposter monster in your head telling you lies and uh, getting some feedback to counteract that and then really finding out more about how your brain is actually working um, through TED Talks and things. Yeah, um, I would just say that something I find really helpful, which someone gave me this tip 
was at the end of each week um, or each day or however often um, to just write a list of your accomplishments so everything that you've done um, and so for me this is everything from like a meeting or it'll be today like in a podcast or um, to like sending off a difficult email or, or um, to actually completing tasks like you know I've designed a workshop or whatever and that really helps me when I feel that um, imposter syndrome because I can literally look back on the list and say look at all these things I've done like yeah. that's actually quite a lot and um, you so quickly forget all of that um, and you forget what you've achieved and so and it's often the little things that actually amount to the the big things so um yeah that's I'd say that's a tip to recognize help recognize what you've accomplished and all the positive things that you do yeah that's so good I think that's a really good way to start boosting your confidence as well and training your brain to focus in on the positive things rather than the things we think are negative yeah yeah absolutely and then when you feel because I've definitely done that where I've sort of had a look at those and gone into a meeting or or any sort of social situation really feeling like feeling myself and feeling confident and then um it's just such a nice feeling when you feel that um and it's definitely something that's relatively new to me (laughs) um in the past few years but um yeah that's it's so great when you get that little taste of confidence yeah what would you like what are the key things that you would like to share with anyone struggling with social anxiety right now I guess uh it's so what I've always found really helpful is that I have um a creative outlet um which for me is writing um and I know different people will have their different outlets that kind of help them process um where they're at and and things um and I really like being creative and particularly writing because I can sort of sit back and reflect on how I'm feeling and the emotions and it really helps me process them Um, but also then I end up with a really beautiful piece of writing or um, poetry that otherwise I wouldn't have produced had I not actually been struggling with my emotions or feeling down and so I really like that sort of creating something beautiful out of a really difficult emotion Um, and it also helps me recognize the fact that it's not necessarily like you don't always have to be up and super happy that actually there are like benefits to counteracting that and sometimes you do feel down and that's just a normal part of life rather than feeling like this is everything's going absolutely wrong and definitely like you know if you if you're feeling down for um as I have done in the past for for a long time and it goes on for weeks and maybe even months then that um definitely that's like when you need to get help and an extra support um but when it's just the sort of fluctuating sometimes I just have short sort of depressive periods or um particularly after I've been super anxious for a while um I try and create through that um and just write and it, it really helps me um so I think I'd just say like have a have a look around and um find 
potentially an, an outlet for you whether that's something creative I obviously am really passionate about um creative things so I'll, I'll always preach about that um or it could be anything else I think um that's I would definitely recommend that um to anyone who sort of struggles with their mental health at times yeah what you're saying there reminds me of um completing the stress cycle so we have these stresses in our daily life all the time um and it's actually more than we're designed to handle as a human being and uh and then we have this internal stress that we feel but we need to do something with it because even when the stressor has gone away our bodies don't know that the stress has gone and it stays within us so we need to do something and for someone that might be getting out and going for a walk or doing some exercise um for you it's obviously creating and writing and you know it might be meditation or something um but it's finding what works for you that way to kind of really process that stress and allow it to be released from your body yeah yeah absolutely and I think with that comes um it can help you accept um when you do have those difficult feelings because I feel like a big issue with mental health is the whole shame aspect of it and um I like yeah just feeling ashamed or maybe feeling as if I didn't like you feel a bit weak for feeling this way and that you can't cope with the normal stresses of life but like you said there's you know we're exposed to more than we should um especially in the world of social media all the time so actually sometimes it's just a natural response is that you will feel low or get stressed um and accepting that I think is actually really helpful um and just that classic be kind to yourself which um as someone who's sort of gone through all those probably a stress circle about a hundred times or um really struggled with mental health in the past every time I have to remind myself of that it's never inherent it's always my go-to is to sort of be really hard on myself and you know pull out your socks get back on it like why are you complaining all this stuff every time like without fail I have to tell myself be kind to yourself um almost like be kind and then be even kinder kind of works for me oh okay I love that be kind and then be even kinder that is so good for like those of us who do have that harsh inner critic yeah yeah it's it's a tricky one and then you know also thinking about how I would what I would tell a friend to do I always find super super interesting that perspective because um I'm a very caring person and um because I'm such an advocate of mental health like that's always a priority when I'm talking to friends or they're talking to me about theirs um and so I definitely need to check in with myself every so often and be like what would if I was my friend what would I be telling them to do um and that's I think that's yeah that's when I come up with like oh okay I'd be telling them to do this so it's fine rather than I don't know I just find it really helpful that is really helpful getting out of your own head sometimes it can help to kind of even picture yourself as a child and then talk to yourself as if you are that child that just needs that support and reassurance um it's another nice way of doing it but definitely I think 
especially right now, emerging from this pandemic with all these restrictions and things, we need to be really, really self-compassionate with ourselves. Um, just accept that things are going to be hard. It's going to feel rough, like you were saying. And um, yeah. yeah, take yeah. it slowly. Yeah, absolutely. And like recognising that we haven't, um, we haven't lived through a pandemic like this before mm. um, and so there's no like normal reaction or way to transition back I think whatever you're experiencing and however it's challenging for you is totally valid and like that's fine just do what what works for you and kind of get back to wherever it is you want to get to in your own time um, yeah. there's nothing that you need to you know measure yourself against or um yeah okay so one final question if you were to send a message back to little grace what would you be telling her oh little grace um how little grace are we talking how little would you like to send a message (laughs) (laughs) okay um let's say uh maybe like 10 year old grace yeah um I think I would say things just that things are going to get really challenging um and that um you will have a tendency to struggle with your mental health and um that will cause um it'll just make your life a little bit more challenging um but that that's okay and actually um it's something that um you'll learn a lot through um and through the experiences that you go through that will actually make you really strong as a person and able to deal with all the issues life throws at you um and just to not be ashamed of the facts that you find certain things difficult that maybe other people don't um there's like plenty of value in that um and and how you can then help people through your personal experiences um so yeah I just say don't worry too much about don't worry too much that's such a classic (laughs) Uh, maybe I wouldn't say that um but just like recognizing the value in you just as you are yeah I like that and there's a little bit of reassurance there that there is a bit of a gift within the struggle which kind of makes it more bearable yeah definitely I always I always think that I think um yeah there's there's always some sort of good whether that's um helping being able to relate to people so you can help them I think that's been the main one for me um and being able to use that use my struggles as an opportunity to start conversations that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been started so yeah yeah fantastic okay it's been a right pleasure talking to you today and so lovely to see your face again yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh, yeah thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story you're welcome thanks for having me thanks for listening to the quiet connections podcast If you would like to get in touch with Grace Soji, you can find her at paperarts.org.uk. Please do remember to subscribe to this podcast so that you can hear from all of the amazing speakers we have lined up for you, who all have lots of messages of encouragement and tips to help you with anxiety.